0: Welcome to Spiritual Mythbusters. I'm your host, Paul Graves, and this is the place where we always share what we value as truth and promise to always share it in love. This podcast is an outreach of Bible to Life Ministry located in Northeast Florida. So if you enjoy what you hear, visit us at BibleToLife.net. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-O-L-I-F-E.net and click on Resources to view our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. Now put on your spiritual thinking caps, and let's dive into another episode. Welcome back to Spiritual Mythbusters. Once again, I am your host, Paul Graves, and I can guarantee you that today you are most certainly going to be challenged, encouraged, but above all else, you will be inspired. The topic today is titled, When Will Heaven and Earth Pass Away? Listen, there is no doubt in my mind that as a believer, you have probably read Matthew chapter 5 verses 18 through 19 several times without maybe necessarily understanding what it was that Jesus was teaching. And sometimes we'll read things in scripture and we just simply pass them by because we don't understand. We're not able to comprehend what is being said. But I will say this, that a lot of times in Scripture, it's not necessarily what we're reading that allows us to interpret what's being said as it is gaining an understanding of the culture of the time and how the original audience would have understood the original writer be relaying truths to them. And so with that being said, today what I want to do is I want to read Matthew 5, 18 through 19 to you. At the same time, I want to talk a little bit about the historical context Uh, the historical setting of this passage of Scripture in order to help, hopefully, interpret what it was that Jesus was communicating in his time in the first century. So let me read Matthew 5, 18 through 19. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments... And teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let's briefly talk about the historical context or the historical setting of this passage. And I believe in doing that, it's going to help us gain a clearer understanding of what it is that Jesus is actually saying. And we're going to do this by asking and answering. Four questions. The first question is Who is the audience Jesus is speaking to? This is known in the theological world as reader relevance. The second question What covenant were the people living under? Third question What time period or testament were the people living in? And the fourth question What messianic period of time were the people living in? Okay, the first question, who is the audience Jesus is speaking to? Jesus is speaking to the Jews. What covenant, is the second question, were the people living under? They were living under the old covenant. What time period or testament were the people living in? Well, they were living in a new testament. Now, I like to say it like this. The old testament was a time period that testified or gave testimony of the Christ to come, and the New Testament was a time period that gave testimony or testified of the Christ who had already come. So since Jesus had already been birthed into the earth, incarnation, which was deity wrapped in flesh, they were living in a New Testament, a time period that testifies of the Christ who had already come. And then the fourth question, what Messianic? Period of time were the people living in? And when I say Messianic or Messiah, or, I'm just talking about at what period in the life of Jesus were the Jews living in? Was it pre cross, prior to Christ going to the cross? Or was this passage in Matthew 5 18 through 19 post cross, which was after Christ went to the cross? And so we know that it was pre cross. The audience was Jewish. The covenant they were under was Old Covenant. The testament they were living in was the New Testament. And they were receiving this information or this message in this passage of Scripture in Matthew 5, 18 through 19 from Jesus pre-cross. This was prior to Jesus going to the cross. That's important for us to understand. So the historical context or the historical setting is paramount when you're trying to interpret scripture. Secondly, we need to understand that in the Jewish culture during the first century and even prior, the term heaven and earth, as Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 5 verse 18, was widely known to represent the place where heaven touches earth. In other words, it represented the Jewish temple or the Jewish temple system. This is how the Jews would have understood it. To the Jews, the term heaven and earth was actually an idiom. So if you don't mind, let me read you the definition for idiom. An idiom is a group of words established by usage as having a meaning not deducible from those of the individual words. All right. And so what does that mean? Let me just give you an example to make more sense. If I said to you that it's raining cats and dogs, that is an idiom. When we hear the idiom, or when you hear, I hear, the idiom raining cats and dogs, there is no doubt that we don't think that literal canines and felines are falling from the sky. No doubt in my mind. But we do believe that raining cats and dogs means that it's what? It's raining hard or it's pouring down rain outside. In the same manner, the Jews, when they hear the term heaven and earth, or in the same manner, the Jews, when they heard until heaven and earth pass away, they did not believe that Jesus was declaring or teaching the literal removal of both heaven and earth. The Jews would have known Jesus was referring to the Jewish temple or the Jewish temple system, which means it was the place where heaven touches earth. Here's here's what's interesting. The Jews would have recognized this as an idiom. When he said heaven and earth, they would have known that it was the place where heaven touches earth. And this is why. Because the Jews understood the physical temple was divided into three parts. You had the outer court, you have the inner court, and you have the holy of holies or the most holy place. Now, the outer court was called the sea. It was known for the sea because it had the bronze laver filled with water. The inner court was called the earth because it was known for having a dirt floor. And the holy of holies was called heaven, known for having the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat sitting on top. As a side note, the mercy seat was also known as the throne of god the place where the presence of god resided in matthew 5 18-19 jesus was not speaking of the physical destruction of both heaven and earth that which was created by god belonging to god he was not speaking of the destruction of the earth in which God says in his word that he's given to the sons of men. Jesus was prophesying the removal of heaven and earth. In other words, he was speaking in a language that the Jews would understand. And when he was talking about until heaven and earth passed away, Jesus was talking about until the place where heaven touches earth passes away. He was teaching about the removal of the elements or the elementary things as is spoken in 2 Peter 3.10. And we're going to deal with this next week in our podcast episode. But when we talk about the elementary things that is spoken about in 2 Peter 3.10, we're talking about the removal of the Jewish temple system, the removal of the Mosaic law or the Old Covenant. As we've already briefly discussed, when teaching the Sermon on the Mound, Jesus' audience was what? They were Jewish. Therefore, they would have understood the idiom or the reference of heaven and earth to mean the Jewish temple system or the Jewish temple. I believe it's also important for us to understand the contextual setting regarding Jesus when he spoke or was speaking in Matthew chapter 5 verses 18 through 19. What we find is that Jesus was speaking to the Jews living in a new testament though still under an old covenant. At this point Jesus had yet to offer himself as humanity's atoning sacrifice. He had yet to die for us as us and with us. We find that Jesus had yet to establish the new covenant with the shedding of his or God's blood. Jesus had not yet fulfilled the law and the prophets through his atonement. And when I talk about his atonement, we're talking about his natural sufferings, his death on the cross, his descent into Hades, his resurrection from Hades. And his ascension to the right hand of his Father in heaven. And this is without mentioning that occluding in his atonement was the sending, the releasing of his spirit into the world poured out on the day of Pentecost. And we find in Matthew 5:17 it says, Do not presume that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. But in knowing that, then the question is this: how did Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets? I think that's a, that's a legitimate question. If we're saying, if scripture says, but he did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law, then how did Jesus fulfill the law and the prophets? He did so through his life, through his earthly ministry, and through his death, which was his atonement. It wasn't as though Jesus was actually against the law during his lifetime. He wasn't in direct opposition to the law during his earthly ministry. We find in Matthew 5, 18 through 19 that Jesus reinforced or upheld the current law, which Israel was still obligated to obey. So what do I mean by that? What I mean is that all throughout the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, what Jesus was doing was he was delivering the Jewish people from an old covenant mindset into new covenant realities. But it was realities that have not yet taken place because Christ had not yet gone to the cross. So even though they were living in a New Testament, they were still bound and living under an old covenant. So they were obligated to obey the law. Therefore, Jesus wasn't teaching against the law, but he was most certainly converting them from the mindset of the law, which was works orientated to the minds of the kingdom reality, which was spirit and life, where thou the law was no longer written on tablets of stone, but the law was written on the hearts of men. Wow, that is that is so powerful. Man, that is so powerful. So in Matthew 5, 18, 19, as I said, Jesus reinforced or upheld the current law, which Israel was still obligated to obey, though, he also gave a time indicator as to how long the Jews must continue following or obeying the law of Moses or the Old Covenant. So what was the time indicator that Jesus gave, determining how long the Jews would have to contractually continue following the law? The time indicator was this, until heaven and earth passed away. Matthew 5, 18 says, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until, listen to this, until all is accomplished. So apparently there was something that needed to be accomplished that was going to cause heaven and earth to pass away. But until that accomplishment, heaven and earth was still in operation which means the smallest letter and the smallest stroke of the law would have been unlawful to pass away. Does that make sense? Jesus was saying that the Jews must continue to follow the law. In other words, the Jews must continue observing and obeying the law until heaven and earth pass away. So based on our understanding And what we have learned so far today with heaven and earth representing the Jewish temple or the Jewish temple system, when did heaven and earth pass away? Well, heaven and earth, or the place where heaven touches earth, legally, spiritually, scripturally, and eternally passed away at the cross. For it was at the cross that the old covenant was made obsolete this is what we read in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13 Hebrews 8 13 says this when he said a new covenant he has made the first obsolete but whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear what we find is that Jesus was the fulfillment in other words he was the completion of of the law and the prophets. The law, because Jesus was the fulfillment of the types and shadows of atonement. The prophets, because Jesus was the fulfillment of their prophetic declarations about his life, his earthly ministry, and his kingship or his lordship. Through Jesus' atonement, which were the events surrounding the cross, including the shedding of God's blood for the remission of humanity's sins, the old covenant was made obsolete. Something of importance to mention here is this, even though the old covenant was legally and spiritually made obsolete at the cross, in practice or experientially, it continued to exist for 40 more years, from A.D. 30 all the way to A.D. 70. The old covenant came to an experiential end in A.D. 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem and the burning of the Jewish temple. I don't have time to get into that today, but I'll certainly, at another time, maybe do one, two, or three podcasts regarding this topic. But the significance of AD 70 was this. And when I talk about AD 70, I'm talking about the Old Covenant coming to an experiential end in AD 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem and the burning of the Jewish temple. The significance of AD 70 was this. Without the Jewish temple standing and the Jewish system in operation, there is no doubt that the kingdom of God, in many respects, was able to forcefully advance without the hindrance of a compelling covenant looming side by side. In other words, coexisting at the same time, daily causing Christians, new covenant believers, chaos, confusion, oppression, and persecution every time they turned around. The intense persecution of Christians by the Jewish leaders was no longer a matter of concern or consideration when preaching the gospel after A.D. 70, because Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the Judaic system existed no more. This was the significance of A.D. 70, which allowed, without the opposition of the Judaic temple system, allowed Christianity to explode. It's not that what took place in AD 70 with the destruction of Jerusalem and the burning of the Jewish temple fulfilled or completed Christ's atonement on the cross. It's just that without Jerusalem and the temple in the Judaic system in direct opposition to the message, the gospel, the kingdom of God, it allowed God's kingdom to advance on earth it allowed God's kingdom to forcefully advance on earth without the hindrance of opposition, if that makes any sense. I hope, I hope that makes sense. Now look, now there are some that believe that Matthew 5, 18, 19 is the fulfillment of the destruction of the physical temple in AD 70, when Jerusalem was destroyed by the armies of Rome. This is largely due to the same understanding of the idiom heaven and earth the viewing through a natural lens of fulfillment rather than a spiritual lens. In other words, they're viewing the fulfillment as when Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was set to fire in AD 70, this scripture in Matthew 5, 18 through 19 was fulfilled. Although if Matthew 5, 18 through 19 referenced or prophesied the completion of its fulfillment to mean the physical destruction of the Jewish temple in AD 70, then according to the same passage, the law, the old covenant, would have legal existence until AD 70. Listen to this passage again, Matthew chapter five, verse 18 says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. So if the all is accomplished, and Matthew 5.18 was the literal destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., then that means legally, spiritually, the old covenant would have right to exist from A.D. 30 to A.D. 70 until the time in which the physical temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. Although we're taught in scripture that Jesus established a new and better covenant with better promises through his atonement, rendering the old covenant obsolete in A.D. 30. So what we find is through Jesus' life, through his earthly ministry and his atonement, Jesus initiated, he established a new covenant with the shedding of his blood. He established a new covenant with the shedding of God's blood. In doing so, he not only fulfilled the law and the prophets, though caused heaven and earth, the place where heaven touches earth, the Judaic system, including the old covenant, to become obsolete and pass away at the cross. Let me ask this question. What happened while Jesus was on the cross when he yelled out, It is finished. What does scripture say? Scripture says the ground shook, the sky grew dark, and the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. You see, in that moment, heaven and earth passed away. As the Levitical priesthood came to a spiritual end with Jesus becoming humanity's atoning sacrifice, and high priest in the order of Melchizedek, with God no longer dwelling within the natural structures of men. As your host, Paul Graves, I want to thank you for listening to Spiritual Mythbusters. If you like what you've heard, then once again visit us at Bible to that's BibleToLife.net, that's B I B L E T O L I F E.net, and click on resources to access our BTL Kingdom blog, sermons, and bookstore. So until next week, always remember if you want to see the glory of God, then you must release God's glory.